The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. With Ronak Gopoldus this evening, Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk. He's with us from London tonight. Nigeria always seems to be in presidential races, um, and they're in the midst of another, Ronak. Yeah, Bruce, uh, good to be with you. Last time I mentioned on the show that it, it felt like Game of Thrones, lots of contenders and pretenders, and we got big news coming out of Nigeria on Friday via a Bloomberg report, uh, which uh, suggested that uh, the central bank governor, Godwin Emefiele, had filled in and submitted a presidential nomination form to the executive structures of the APC, the ruling party. He's come out and denied this, but hasn't ruled himself out of the running for the presidential race. And he said that he'll make a decision in the coming days. So quite clearly, the info was leaked to gauge some kind of reaction. Markets went into a tiz. My phone was was <laughs> off the hook and people were looking to clarity around the situation. Um, and there were three key questions, really. Number one, can he run for the primaries whilst in his current position as central bank governor? We know that he can't run for the president while he's CBN governor, but unclear around the primaries, and we'll get some guidance um, on that by Thursday. Secondly, uh, if he goes, who will succeed him? And it's probably going to be one of the deputy governors. And number three, what's the impact on policymaking? Not too much of a deviation we expect, but the, the damage to investor sentiment is catastrophic. And to put this in a South African context, I think there's some similarities to Nenegate, where you saw a real rupture in, uh, in the policy sphere. Um, so now, you know, we wait to see what the decision is, but the damage is, is quite real. You know, there's credibility damage on the Central Bank of Nigeria, where quite clearly if a partisan politician is running the Apex Bank, it, it implies poor corporate governance and reputational risk, particularly when the perception is that they're already doing the bidding of the president. Then, as I mentioned, investor sentiment is seriously damaged. Now, we'll wait to see what the impact on portfolio flows and investment is because the consistency and independence of the the central bank is under scrutiny. And then, you know, as the elections are, are coming up, how free and fair will the election be if he remains in the position and he's controlling the purse strings? Um, you know, assuming that he can contest and he remains in the job, it's very difficult to see how he can remain impartial. So really messy and chaotic politics in Nigeria doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And clearly it's going to have a knock-on effect on policymaking and as we approach the actual election, the drama is set to continue. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And um, yeah, some stability in Nigeria from a political perspective would be awesome. Some positive trends, though, not calling them green shoots. Thank you. Positive trends in Angola. Yeah, I mean, another oil producer, but a uh, different trajectory, it seems. You know, in between January and March, uh, Angola was the best performing currency in the world, 23% appreciation, you know, higher oil prices have helped, two ratings upgrades as well. They're growing after a long time, and we've seen fiscal consolidation and privatization efforts. So uh, some positive investor sentiment and a more buoyant outlook. And, you know, the currency appreciation is good news for the debt burden, especially since most of it is foreign denominated. Um, but also they've been an IMF program since 2018, and this is starting to pay dividends. You know, they've introduced VAT, they've uh, opened up the economy to private investment. They've uh, done some exchange rate liberalization. So positive stuff there. The oil sector is is uh, experiencing uptick in investment as well, which, you know, in the current context seems a bit counterintuitive, but they want to use that to, to invest in, in the green economy and a green transition. So, you know, positive on the economic front, but they do have an election coming up later in the year. And, you know, as we know, 
with recent trends in Africa, um, you know, elections can be full of surprises. Uh, it seems like public sentiment towards the ruling MPLA is souring, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than than people think. Um, you know, already there's a bit of mudslinging around the, the freeness and fairness of the election. Unlikely, I think that UNITA will will win, but um, you know that threatens uh, to derail the economic progress if it's a messy election. We've seen the movie of Bitcoin as legal tender play out, I think it was in Ecuador, with not much success after a, a huge amount of noise in the early stages. Um, what on earth uh, is this, uh, the government or the central bank in the Central African Republic thinking it can do with Bitcoin that others have failed to do? This is a really weird story. Um, you know, Central African Republic is one of the poorest and, and worst governed countries in Africa. It's not a fintech hub. Um, and, you know, this is curious to say the least, because, you know, to, to effectively adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, you need internet access and electrification. And currently in the Central African Republic, that's at 11% and 14% yeah. respectively. Um, so that's weird. Also, they don't they don't control their own monetary policy. There's a regional central bank, as we know, they use the CFA franc, and they've come out and said that they weren't informed about this decision. Um, and also, it's unclear whether they've got the capacity to regulate cryptocurrency. So, you know, it raises questions around what's the real reason for for this. And you know, if you're cynical, you'll say that you know it could be used for money laundering or other illicit activities given the lack of regulation. But then there are also political considerations. We know that the Central African Republic has been growing closer to Russia, um, you know, private military contractors for state security. And if this opens up the way to make the financial system more accessible for Russian companies, um, then I think that makes a lot of sense, particularly since Russia is, is now locked out of the conventional international banking system. So a really bizarre story that, um, and yeah, I think unpacking these implications uh, requires a little bit more digging. Yeah, exactly right. The IMF, which is uh, seen as public enemy number one in many emerging economies because of the sometimes draconian rules and regulations that they demand in return for loans, um, they are making something of a comeback across the African continent. Not everyone's going to be excited about this. Yeah, um, I mean, we've had in the past few years two global crises and shocks. You know, we've had COVID and then we've now got the Russia-Ukraine crisis and finances have been hard hit. You know, in 2020, we saw COVID commodity prices and capital flight. Last year was a year of debt, disease and dysfunction. This was meant to be the year of recovery. Instead, we've had this Russia-Ukraine situation and the focus has shifted to reform. So, We've had recent announcements that Zambia and Mozambique, who've both suffered from debt issues and defaults, um, are going to be taking IMF programs, extended credit facilities. And this follows the relative success of programs uh, in Angola and Egypt, where we've seen positive economic turnarounds. So question is, is the IMF making a comeback? Like you said, historically, countries have gone kicking and screaming to the IMF uh, because of the bad memories of what happened in the 80s and 90s with structural adjustment and austerity programs. But I think, you know, things are changing. Um, you know, I was at a conference last week where someone actually said the IMF have changed their approach and are almost leftist in, in the way that they engaged with emerging markets these days. Um, the other implication is that, you know, governments can now blame the IMF as, as bad cop, blame them for politically difficult or sensitive decisions. But, you know, what is telling is that the clients we speak to 
uh, are quite enthused about this. They they look at it as a positive from an investor sentiment perspective. It gives them a policy anchor, sound macroeconomic policies, transparency and oversight, and they think it's going to result in a more positive economic footing for these countries. So interesting times as we see the IMF become more and more more. Uh, active on the continent. Uh, and again, the IMF's reputation has shifted. And I think Christine Lagarde has been um, at the at the sort of the front of that. She is a former finance minister of France, if memory serves, um, and is an absolutely key driver, I think, of understanding the, the reputation of the IMF worldwide and seeking to change that. Exactly. And I think the IMF also realized that, that countries now have more funding sources available. You know, there's China, there's there's capital markets, there's bilateral loans. Um, you know, the IMF, obviously, given the U.S. influence, can be used as a soft power lever as well. So I think this more pragmatic uh, and less ideological, less Washington consensus oriented approach um, could actually, uh, you know, if if done right and executed properly, be be beneficial and prevent, provides another another set of, of financing options and arrangements to, to struggling economies on the continent. Thank you, Ronak Gopoldis. Ronak is a director and Africa analyst at Signal Risk this evening on the line to us from London. Fascinating new developments in the Nigerian presidential race and a central bank governor stepping into the fold, um, which always adds a special kind of dynamism. Some hope coming through for Angola madness in the Central African Republic looking to adopt Bitcoin in a country which just, you know, if anywhere is going to adopt Bitcoin, it's not a place like Central African Republic, which really needs to have its other ducks in a row. And the IMF being treated with a lot more tolerance than perhaps it would have been treated um, 10, 15 years ago, and maybe with just cause as well. Those are some of the stories that have made it into the headlines of our Africa Business Report with Ronak Gopoldas at Signal Risk.